understand your market. So once you do that, you can walk it. You can get really good at looking at markets that are outside of your area, right? Because most likely, if you're in those kind of places, the California's where it's really expensive, or the New York's uh, where it's a lot of regulation. Get good at underwriting, understand what it takes to be uh, to buy a good property there, and then take that to a market that actually is a good market to to find a property in. Look. We all know investing in the U.S. real estate can be incredibly rewarding, but it can be pretty overwhelming if you're just getting started. In this podcast, we will turn you through the stories of successful real estate investors. Most of them were just once in our shoes, starting with zero investing experience, working at a W two job, or even coming from a different country, and yet they have managed to build wealth and freedom through real estate. My goal here. Is to equip you with the right mindset, strategies, and expectations, so you can navigate the landscape of real estate investing with confidence. Welcome to the First Gen Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wong. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the First Gen Real Estate Podcast. Our guest today is a U.S. Navy veteran who is now an expert in the short-term rental market. We're going to dive into kind of how he got started, his mentality and mindset goes into this transition into the real estate world and what he's doing now. Welcome to the show, Justin Mosley. What's going on, man? Welcome. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me, my friend. Absolutely. So you are now focusing on helping military veterans towards financial independence using real estate investment. How did you come to this point? Yeah, no, for sure. So, I mean, I, you know, it evolved into a passion project, but I think how I initially got in was, you know, transitioning out of the military, you know, told just like everyone else, you know, go to college, go to grad school, get a steady job. Um, and, you know, for veterans, a lot of us coming out, once we start going back and getting, you know, formal education, you feel behind the eight man. It's like, you know, even though I got out probably like 24, 25, you know, I'm sitting in college and undergrad with 18 year olds and thinking like, Jesus Christ, man, I need to hurry up and, and get this over with so I can get out and start making money. Um, and then you go through the kind of the motion of that, get a job, then end up going to grad school. And then you kind of get to a point where you realize like, man, like I'm never going to make any real money going the traditional route. And, you know, then you start thinking and reading and, you know, doing your YouTube education and listening to podcasts. And you realize like you're only a few ways to truly build wealth in this world and, you know, stock market, you know, real estate and building a business. So once I kind of figured out what it was going to be, which was real estate, then it was like, all right, I need to go all in and, and figure out how I can make this happen, which then eventually evolved into like, you know, there are guys just like me getting out of the military all the time to have a very unique skill set that doesn't always translate well into corporate America, but to real estate, it, it, it's almost a perfect fit. Tell us a little bit how exactly this is a perfect fit for you in terms of the skill set that you have developed. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, specifically for my own business, especially in the short-term rental market, like it, it is very much about discipline and, and you know, making sure being adaptable, which is a really huge one. And it's not always translate to every, uh, I guess, niche within real estate, but specifically for short-term rentals. You know, every day is different. You're always dealing with different tasks. You have to be very nimble and understand, you know, you know, the SCR regulations are very new, right? So there's nothing statewide in most places. So you're dealing with different cities and municipalities, and you got to be willing to change at, you know, a drop of a dime. And and for a lot of military guys, man, like you, you have to be adaptable. 
because that's the only way you can survive. So I just think it's a perfect fit, at least in the short-term rental space, for people that really enjoy those different challenges on a day-to-day basis and, and being creative to kind of figure out a path to kind of maximize the potential of the asset and really the potential of yourself. I love that. And I just want to kind of unravel this a little bit more because at the very beginning, you mentioned that after finishing the uh, the military career a little bit, and then you transition into uh, going to college again, and then realize that's not the path you want. I feel like that takes a sense of awareness to be like, okay, you know what? This path is not exactly for me. And I'm going to kind of wrestle it in to see what exactly really fits me. So I just want to commend you to have that choice because I think a lot of us, especially I think me, for example, when I went into undergrad and grad, like I was like, okay, you know what? This is the path I'm going to take. And only after like a few years, I'm like, hmm, you know what? Something is off. So (laughs) where did you find like, you know, something was off and then you're like, you know what? I need to find something, whether it's stock building business or real estate. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a lot of people, and it sounds really cliche now, especially when you're in this world, but it was reading Cashflow Quadrants by Robert Kiyosaki. And I think he touches a lot of people when he kind of really breaks down how money is made, um, how you actually make money when you're sleeping, and and really the true ways of building wealth for yourself and your family. So I think, too, and just kind of the tea leaves on the wall from what's going on in the larger economy in general. So I was fortunate enough that I was in the military between, you know, 08, 9, 10, 11, when, you know, it really was hard out there, especially for probably grads getting out. Um, So I was a little bit insulated from that. So I didn't really see, actually, I was in the middle of the ocean in Japan, you know, going out on deployments. But, you know, I also recognize when you kind of look at the landscape of, you know, corporate environment, you know, no one is staying at jobs for 30 years uh, at a time anymore and, you know, leaving with a pension, um, and quote unquote, living a good life, right? It's, uh, you know, it's cutthroat out there for a lot of companies. And, you know, you're just a number a lot of times and you got to make sure that you're protecting yourself and your family. Tell us about your very first short-term rental project. What was that like? Yeah. Um, so I actually was doing multifamily syndication. So I actually jumped into real estate that route. Um, you know, you listen to a lot of people say, hey, look, if you're going to do this, go big, go fast. Um, so I kind of took that to heart and was like, all right, well, you know, rather than trying to buy, you know, single families and then grow, let me just jump into multifamily. And I was in a, a couple deals, like the tiniest GP and realizing the cash flow wasn't coming in. And a lot of that money, which multifamily is awesome, but comes on the exit. Um, I actually just started buying properties in South Florida. So my first property was uh, a condo on Palm Beach Island. And I was like, you know, let me go ahead and put this on Airbnb and VRBO. And it just took off. Like, you know, some of it was just a bit of timing and luck um, where I was cash flowing that day, you know, three, four K a month. And I was like, and then that, that was it for me. Like it, it was, I was all in at that point. And then I started buying more condos and residential multifamily and single family homes, kind of West Palm Beach, Port Lauderdale area. And and that was enough for me that I, I, I went all in. So explain to me when you did your decision between multifamily syndication versus short-term rental, you mentioned one big aspect was the cash flow part. How does these two type of deals work differently that from a cash flow perspective that you prefer short-term rental? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one part of the short-term rental, what makes it great, it's like the barrier to entry is really low, right? I mean, if you can qualify for a loan to buy a house, 
you can effectively do it on your own, right? So I think that is a cool part. And it's much more driven on the cash flow side where it's 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 not fast money per se, but it's a lot faster a lot of times in syndication where, you know, syndication and multifamily is it's a team sport. It's a fun sport, but generally you're going to have to do a pretty heavy lift in terms of value add. Um, and then when you're actual a sponsor on the deal, um, as you, I'm sure you know, is that a, a lot of that money that you'll make that you can build true wealth is on the back end of the deal during the exit, right? Whether that cash event, whether it's five, seven years, where you're either refinancing or you're selling that asset because you've increased it in a lot. Um, so you can still apply those same principles because it's still, a, you know, short-term rentals are an NOI game as well. Um, but you actually see uh, that cash flow come in every month, which for me was a motivating factor. Where I could say, okay, you can actually start supporting your lifestyle the more properties you buy in a shorter period of time. That, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And especially, I think, for newer investors who are listening to this, the idea behind short-term rental versus, let's say, a multifamily syndication deal, when Justin mentioned about the holding period of three years, five years, seven years, you basically get a big fat of check at the end of the deal versus in short-term rental, you're actually getting the consistent monthly cash flow, which if you want to live your life with investment supporting you, this is actually a much more consistent strategy to go about creating that passive income. For sure. So tell us about, give us an example of the best deal that you have done in short-term rental. Like give us the nuts and bones. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess now it's definitely a lot more singles, doubles, and triples. Um, so, but I, I would say early on, my best deal was just a condo. And you're talking about a tiny condo in a, a great location. And I think short-term rental is so market-specific and location-driven that if you could find that hidden gem asset, um, you don't necessarily have to get in for a lot of, uh, for uh, a buyer, a really expensive place. But if you dress it up and you position it well, you can make a lot of money. So it would almost go back to like my first or second deal, you know, on Palm Beach Island, which is a really exclusive, amazing place. Um, you know, buying condos, walking distance from the beach. And I want to say that first property I bought was 528 square feet. So you're talking about tiny. So then you're reducing your furnishing costs. Um, but because of that location and it's nice uh, areas that that you can go, there's shopping and walking distance, there's a grocery store, um, there's, you know, really nice beaches. You know, I, I was cash flowing that thing, you know, three, four, sometimes $5,000 a month into my pocket, um, only paying $250,000 for that condo, right? And you have some HOA fees involved as well. Um, and those deals still exist. It's hard to find, believe me, if I, if I find them, I'm going to buy it. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know since COVID, that, that property probably is worth like six or 700K now. But um, there's a market out there that, that you can find that deal, I guarantee. So you, uh, when you said 25000 as the price you paid, is that the down payment of the house? Oh, no, no I'm sorry. So it's $250,000. $250,000. Yeah. That's the... Yeah. The total price, the purchasing price of it. Yeah, purchasing price of the pro, uh, of the condo, um, putting twenty percent down, um, and would get you into the property. Then you have your furnishing costs, and obviously that's going to be contingent on how big the space is, right? So let's say twelve thousand dollars to furnish it. So your all in costs, I could see you doing the math. So what what is your all in right there? Got it. So basically, you have $12,000 for furnish, and you have 20, yep. 20% down on a $250,000 home. So that's yep. 50K. So you basically have 50K of the down payment plus 
12k of the furnishing that's kind of the main costs right exactly put down to and it. then obviously yep and then obviously you have your appraisals and all the other costs that go yep. with financing right your closing costs and such so for under you know let's call it sixty thousand um, dollars um if my math's correct you know cash flowing anywhere from two to four thousand a month um that's, that's a pretty good return on your investment my friend and you see that right away it doesn't have to be five years later right a- exactly right <laughs> away you know month two if you have your systems in place, you yeah. can be rocking and rolling. And what's crazy about this deal, when did you get this deal? Uh, was it back in 2020? 2020. So pre-COVID. And after pre-COVID. Three, pre-COVID. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great time, man. And from what? so pre-COVID to now, it's like the you said that the market value of this is now right around 600K in that market. Oh, yeah. 100%, right? So yeah. just like most places, any desirable area appreciation has gone up. So not only you have that cash flow, you also have your paper uh, net worth that increases as well, right? Um, I generally don't pay attention to that. To me, that's gypsy magic. Like, yeah, it sounds great. You, you're worth, you know, a bunch of millions of dollars, but you know, the cash flow to me is what, what matters, right? Because even if the market tanks, which I'm sure it won't, but like they say it did, I'm still collecting that cash flow check every month. Even and how much time does it take for you to actively manage this? Like, you know, find a cleaner, make sure that you're setting up with uh, uh, Airbnb, making sure there's no dispute, everything's good. How do you run that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, systems and operations, man. So uh, what I did, especially initially before we started using third-party property manager was putting systems in place so that it can be as automated as possible. So we leverage tools like Turnover BNB, which is like it's now called Turno. So that's a platform that you can either bid out your cleaners to people that are local to your area, or you can go and build a relationship with cleaners and just have them utilize that system so that it's connected to your calendar. So anytime someone checks in and checks out, they get alerts, they go and clean your property. You can have them put pictures on, and then you're just going and verified, right? So the name of the game is building those systems out so that you can make it as hands-off as possible. And what do you say that, how hands-off are you after you had those systems in place? After I had those, I mean, you're talking about a couple hours a week checking in. So making sure that, you know, messaging is good. Um, I have like uh, two VAs from the Philippines that did 12-hour shifts. So they handle all my messaging. So what you do is you create templates for them. And over time, they get similar questions that are asked um, so that they they already have a template already uh, made. So that if that question is asked, you can send it out. Uh, we put checks in so that periodically throughout the stay, um, we're asking our guests, uh, how's your stay going? Is there anything we can do better? And really, that's about review management because this game is really about managing reviews, right? That's what's going to position you and push you up on the algorithm when that, your, 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 your review scores are really high. So once you figure that out and you put those systems in place, you can be really hands-off and then focus on buying more property or your W-2, whatever the case may be, uh, however you envision your life. So let's talk about how to get things started because you mentioned that this, the short-term rental strategy is very market-specific. You have different city rules that some places are banning short-term rental, some places are not. So how are you going about funding if a market is a good market to invest in long-term? Yep. So starting off, we, we, we paid for subscription models to a company called AirDNA. So if you're in this space, you're, you're very familiar with it. So it's probably the gold standard of short-term rental, you know, analytics, right? So they, they scrape and they take data from Air, uh, Airbnb, VRBO, 
and they give you kind of market scores and they get as granular down to some of the SDR regulations, how well pockets are. So they go from state down to uh, county to city to even street level on how successful giving you projections of a property can be. Um, since then, we've kind of moved on from that. We still utilize them, but I actually partner with a company called Revity. Um, and what they do is they use their own proprietary systems and software to take that information and they kind of overlay with what they do. And then they take more a granular approach to give you a little bit more consistent um, underwriting um, for markets and also properties and stuff. So, you know, as we grow, we kind of utilize other teams to, we do our own in-house underwriting. We send the property off to our partner. And if it's consistent with both parties kind of agree that's good property, that's when we know to sell. But taking a step back, we would just use, you know, systems like that. And we had our own Excel spreadsheets. Like you're talking about kind of the, the early days of, of underwriting properties. So from 2020, where you got your first, one of the first deals in Palm yep. Beach, and apparently it was very successful to fast forward 2023, how have your strategies have shifted? Like where, what are the opportunities that you're looking to now? Yeah, so it, it very much, it, it's trying to be aligned with what we're trying to cultivate from story and messaging brand, right? So we're, we're very centric on military. So we like to be in tourist destinations, but we also want to be near military installations as well. So for us, we like to go in areas A that we know that the STR regulation is going to be generally friendly, right? There's always going to be risk, but we also want to have a strategy of when we do sell an asset, we want to sell it to, to veterans or active duty military. So that's a part of our strategy as well. So we, we're just making sure we, we've identified a bunch of different markets that we really like, and we just want to build portfolios um, in those markets where we have some really high level or really deep uh, information so that we know that we're buy consistent. Because anytime you go into a new market, it's a little bit unknown. So, so tell us about the market that you're looking to now spill the teas. Yeah, yeah. So actually, we're, we're going into some new markets now. We're actually under contract on a property. We have about four other that we like that we're probably going to put offers on. Um, it's uh, southern Mississippi, so around the Biloxi area. Um, it's 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 a super great market. I mean, if you're from Florida or California, you're probably not flying to Mississippi and going to Biloxi. But if you're from the surrounding areas, like that's where they go to they go to the beach. Um, there's some really cool cities and and some nice downtown areas, and also there's casinos, right? So that is kind of a market that we like, and also there's some military bases down there as well. So that is. So these are the markets that are pretty far away from where you're based in Florida. So how are you managing them from afar? Because for a lot of new investors, we're like living in uh, California or New York or Boston. You know, we don't have like really good short term markets here. So what's your solution yeah. to that? Yeah, it, it's about building systems and teams. Like it, it really is simple as that. Like uh, I always say. You should probably start off your market. At the very least, start underwriting properties in your market. Understand your market. So once you do that and you can walk it, you can get really good at looking at markets that are outside of your area, right? Because most likely, if you're in those kind of places, the Californias where it's really expensive or the New Yorks uh, where it's a lot of regulation, get good at underwriting, understand what it takes to be uh, to buy a good property there, and then take that to a market that actually is a good market to, to find a property in. Um, and then you have to build those teams. You can do a lot of that now virtually, right? It's the same way we're doing this podcast and we, you know, you can do the exact same thing, the interviewing process, um, sending a lot of communication. Uh, it could all be done virtually. You just need to know what you're doing and be confident that you can be successful. I love the point that you're making because we basically are living in a world where 
we sit in front of a laptop and we can get 99% of the thing done, just finding the right people and finding the right software and the systems in place. Was there any moment in your life where you know that this is the thing that you're supposed to do, but you're, you just haven't gotten started? Like, did you have to work through any of those moments in your life or you never really encountered it? You're just like, you know, consistent action doer. No, I mean, I, of course, man. Like, I mean, I think initially going in, I thought um, I didn't have any kind of limiting beliefs or self-doubt, but I think everybody goes to that, right? Um, I think the biggest thing is you need to be self-aware and realize like, hey, where are the roadblocks in my mind um, and why am I not taking the necessary action, right? So I think even though I'm, I'm a huge advocate of taking action, you need to take more action, right? Um, I, I think the name of the game is getting to the set of the place where you're willing to work hard, truly, truly hard to reach your goals. Um, and that's something I think I've always kind of had in me. Um, but what I kind of overlate with that is the discipline piece. And it's the same way I approach working out. And I think it's funny, fitness for me has probably been one of the greatest teachers. Um, and it relates a lot to real estate because no matter what you do, there's no magic pill, there's no steroids, anything that you can take and over and see overnight success. Like it truly comes from putting in the daily work and, and building those daily habits every day. Um, and I think that's where it has to start, right? So even if you don't necessarily believe, figure out what your big goals are, what you need to work backwards, right? What you need to do to accomplish those things and you hold yourself accountable to make sure you're doing those things every single day, day in, day out, so that you can reach your goals. And if you're someone who kind of suffers from maybe it's imposter syndrome or limiting beliefs, you do it enough and you continue to do those things every day, you'll start believing that, oh, I can actually do this. And especially when you start seeing that progress. And it may take six months, it might take a year, but you keep being consistent, you'll constantly grow that that confidence that you know that you can reach your goals. Man, you're like the David Goggins of real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, man. I try, I'm going to try to market myself as that, man. Like uh, <laughs> cracking this internet thing is hard, but I like that. that STR David Goggins, love it, man. Oh, man. No, like I see a lot of resemblance because I love David Goggins. And I think a lot of the messages that you said is really on point i think it's really about developing your goals your mind your habit and then you would see the results instead of always trying to work towards the result then you're kind of like getting it backwards and I, I really like the way that you have put it so with that in mind what if i want to get started in looking into short-term rental actually taking those actions what are some of the resources that you have or you recommend for us to look into yeah, for sure. So I'm actually have an amazing community now. So it's called the Short Term Rental Millionaires Blueprint. So when I got into the space, um, there wasn't a whole lot of people. I mean, if they did exist, I wasn't aware of them. I wasn't huge in the social media. Like I'm just now catching up to, to everybody um, in that space. But I wanted to create a space, especially for veterans, but now it's for everyone that if you want to truly get a step-by-step -step guide on like these are the things that you need to do and the steps you need to take to get into the space, um, that's what that community is about. And really, it's about people that are entrepreneurial that maybe have a business and make money and they want to kind of figure out, um, you know, how to can make that money work for them and do it themselves. Or also as people that invest with us that just really want to understand the process and what that looks like. So. Um, we have a free Facebook group. It's called the Airbnb Millionaire that my wife and I created. And then there's also, we have kind of a, a paid subscription model. And 
if anyone that just wants to kind of understand, go into our free Facebook group, kind of learn, network with people. And we have this free masterclass on how we got started. And I think it can be really valuable for people that uh, want to kind of get a real firsthand look of what it looks like uh, to get into the space, especially getting your partner on board, too. So I think a lot of times some of us, you know, the entrepreneurs um, get super excited. And if your partner is not on board, um, it may be some tension. So it, it's really cool that my wife really you know, was something really supportive, but also got into the world to where she understands it. And it's kind of a journey for both of us as well. I love that, man. So what is one single message that you want our listeners to take away from this episode? Yeah, for sure. It's take action now. And no matter what it is, like figure out what you want to do, write it down, reverse engineer it. What are the steps it needs to take to get there and start today? Don't put it until oh, I'll start tomorrow or next week. Take action now. And I promise you, you will get there so much faster than you believe you can just by taking the action today. I love that. Well, I love when moments of my real estate episodes become life coaching sessions. And this is what... <laughs> sure, man. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, it really is what the action that is counting. And it's what sure. this type of energy that you are sending through to the to the messages, to the to the listeners that really inspiring action. So I really appreciate you coming out here today and sharing us your journey and your expertise. Awesome, and my friend. That's it for today, guys. And I'll see you guys in the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone who you know would find value. I would be so grateful if you can subscribe and leave a review. Make sure you join us for the next one.